Welcome to today's Seven Figures Club podcast, everybody. We've got, uh, if you've ever been interested in how to dominate the real estate market, how to find great deals, how to figure the financing, and how to really partner up with mentors and those who are proven in the real estate industry, we're going to love today's guest. Today's guest is Peter Vexelman, and he is a seasoned investor. He's been a leader in the real estate industry for not one decade, not two decades, but three <laughs> decades. He has successfully done over 3,600 deals. That's a lot of deals, right? He leads a team of real estate professionals who continue to close deals across the country. He's got an amazing team with his partners, Julian Raphael. And uh, I don't know that I've ever spoken with anyone who's done over a thousand deals, let alone 3,600 deals. Peter, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Leo. Thanks a lot. Uh, happy to be here. Well, we're excited to kind of find out a little bit more about how everyone can work with you, how they can assess real estate deals the way that you and your team do. And I mean, whenever you see that kind of volume, clearly your system is working well. But when you were first, you know, getting started uh, and going through school as a younger kid, what was Peter like in high school? And and what was your background and 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 growing up that maybe contributed to who you are today? Uh, well, the only thing that contributed to my success today when I was growing up is the fact that I didn't do too many things well at all as a kid. I, man, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you, the funny thing is my parents are world-renowned uh, engineers, PhDs, hold patents. And this is the best wow. way to describe it. When they would go to parent-teacher conferences, teachers would not believe them that I was their kid. And so what contributed ultimately, honestly, is what happened is I went through the schooling and education system. When I came out on the other end, I don't even know how I got out of college. I mean, I literally was the last, like, you know, you've, I'm sure you've talked to plenty of what they call cum laude's, you know, top performers in school. You know, I, I guess I call myself a cum laude. If you go to my university the year I graduated, I'm I don't know if you ever met anyone, I'm literally at the very bottom. So what contributed was that when I got out of school, I couldn't even get it, forget getting the job. Nobody even wanted to interview me. Like literally nobody wanted to interview me. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because that literally at that point in time forced me, like I had no options. It forced me into doing my own thing. And one little project coupled with another project, with another business, with another business got me to where I am today. So what got me when I was uh, a young is I wasn't doing young too well. I pretty much failed at everything back then. You know, Peter, I hear that from a lot of entrepreneurs, and I, I think a lot of the times the thought process is, oh, wow, this person must have a PhD. They must have done really well in school. But I seem to find that a lot of successful entrepreneurs and investors actually may have been the, the BCD students who were just really creative at thinking outside the box. And for whatever reason, that led them down the path of entrepreneurship. So uh, I think that's a misnomer that a lot of people think, oh, this person must be so smart and they just did so well. I mean, not every 
most successful entrepreneurs, I don't think are like genius level, like Elon Musk. I think they're, you know, the creative types that just have this ability to find solutions. So that that's amazing. So you talked about your first business. What were some of those first projects or businesses like? And, uh, and how did you get those off the ground? Well, uh, you know, by the way, just to piggyback off what you said and then transition yeah. into what you sure. asked, otherwise, the reason that happens, they don't teach you entrepreneurship in school, no. right? So nobody thinks that's an option. So most of us that end up in that track, we get forced in that track. It's not like they taught it to us. So anyway, but, but I, you know, I've done all kinds of things. I, I've had uh, small little insurance operations that I've done and grown pretty successfully. Had a vending company that I ended up flipping out to a major vending company. Um, and, and then I got into uh, uh, um, credit card processing, merchant services business, and did that pretty successfully with a buddy of mine. And then we met a really successful dude. And, and that was like my first, that was like my first kind of taste of what it means to grow in a scale. Because what that, and his name was Warren, what Warren did is he showed Greg and I how to take a small successful business and expand it. We literally ended up franchising it to 15 different states. And that's when I really started understanding that in order to really get to those next levels of life, money-wise, uh, lifestyle-wise, you got to learn how to grow in the scale. Ultimately, that business, though, outgrew me, like literally the business outgrew me. Uh, I sold my uh, portion of it. And um, I got into mobile homes, of all things. And totally by accident, like so many of us, you know, end up where we are totally by accident. I just got it by reading the book one day. Um, and I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. I don't even know what this is, but this is the best thing. I, the next day, I called Lonnie. He was the author of the book, Lonnie Scruggs. I found his number. I called him up. I'm like, Lonnie, I don't know anybody about Holmes who's read your book. I'm in. And so he agreed to have me come out. I drove across the country, met him for a weekend. That first, that first week, I bought my first mobile home. Three years later, we are doing about 100 flips a month. We were rocking and rolling. And then the wheels fell out, the back-end financing wheels fell, fell out of the mobile home business. And that's how I got into real estate. And here I am 22 years later. Like I probably consider myself a pretty much a veteran of the real estate business at this point. Well, 3,600 deals will do that uh, for you. So <laughs> as you were initially getting started there, a lot of people have misconceptions about you know, they think it's easy to just uh, grab a property, fix it up and flip it. But what are some of the characteristics that you look at in terms of making a return on the cash you invest in a deal? Like when you look at a deal, what are some of those return targets and, and what are the, the, the important factors that people should be considering if they're because because at the end of the day, I mean, you've got the stock market, you've got business. But I think most people agree that real estate is one of the safest real investments that you can make because it's a tangible thing. It's something that people need. They need to live. But what are those factors and what should be targeted uh, returns that people should be looking for? Uh, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like most people think, see deal, do deal. What they don't realize is every deal is a mountain. Like literally, I could honestly tell you that to this day, uh, well over a couple of decades in the business, it is not a C-deal, do-deal business, and every deal is unique unto itself. Now, the big picture answer to your question is numbers. Real estate is a numbers-driven business. It's all about the equity. It's all about the return. Um, you know, I realized that over, and, and, and even that's not a black and white answer because that sometimes changes with where you are, what kind of deal you're doing, how much money do you have at risk? You know, how big is it? How small is it? Are you doing it from a long-term perspective and a short-term perspective? Now, I'm a very short-term guy in terms of investing now. And, and I've been down the long-term route. I used to have 
uh, over 400 buildings that I own. And that just wasn't me. So now I'm a short-term guy for a lot of reasons. One of those reasons is I hedge against the market. You know, when you're into something long-term, you know, you're going to be, you know, the victim of the uh, uh, market fluctuations. When you're short-term, you, you know, you can get in and get out and not really be affected by the market. So I'm a short-term guy now. I'm, you know, I buy, fix, and sell. We, we get in, we get out quickly. Usually, you know, a long deal for us any longer is about, you know, four to five months. Um, the other thing, this strategy, why I love the strategy, you could stockpile like a ton of cash. Like, you're not just stockpiling. You're obviously reinvesting, looking for more opportunities, but you make big, big, big returns. Um, uh, but, but, but again, back to your the specific question, it's a numbers game. Um, on a short-term short deal, when I say short-term, some of our deals are like no less, no, no more than like an hour in length. Uh, I want wow. about a 25% return on those. And that's a pretty darn big return when you're talking about a couple hour play. When 25% return in yeah, a couple hours? Yeah, like literally. Wow. Just, let, me, let me show you something. That's unbelievable. Here's, here's a deal we just did today. And I just happened to print this HUD because I, you know, I do this on social media a lot. But this yeah. morning I wired, I wired $182,000. Okay, I wired that out. And, and this is the HUD. This is what happens when you buy. You do yeah. a HUD. And the property is already pre-sold which means within an hour we're selling it and I've gotten a wire back for 193,000. And that's one hour's worth of work. So this, these are the kind of deals I do with my partners all over the United States. Again, this we just did this a couple hours ago. Um, so on short-term plays, because it's possible, we do go for as big as 25% returns. Long-term plays, which for me, like I said, is still fairly short-term, but long-term plays um, somewhere between three to six months, uh, we go for a minimum of 35 to 40% return on those. So as you could see, well, I'm a short-term investor now, instead of a long-term passive, grind it out, make a little bit penny at a time. You know, I'd rather make thousands at a time. Amen. I think everyone listening would like to do that. And since we have a lot of entrepreneurs and startups and investors listening, that's, that's going to be music to their ears. So you're, you're looking for short-term returns of 20 to 25% longer term, you know, maybe a few months, 35 to 40%, uh, amazing, amazing returns. And what property types do you like to work with? Are you single families? Do you do any mobile home parks anymore? What are the property types that you like to like to work in and why? Yeah. And, and I've done all kinds. In, in the career yeah. I've had, I have done obviously the mobile homes, um, I've done the new build from the ground up. I've done uh, renovations. Uh, I've done commercial buildings. I've done single families, multifamily apartment. You name it, I've done it. But there's no question. There's no question at this point, And for a lot of reasons, for a very long time, I'm a single family guy. And the reason I'm a single family guy, it's, it's, it's ease of use, right? There's a lot of more houses out there than there are factories, right? So ease of use, ease of fine, a lot more motivation. Right. If I'm a guy that owns a huge building, I'm probably a corporation and I got some guns behind me in terms of when things go bad. If I'm a single family owner and things go bad, probably not a lot of options for me. Right. I got to get rid of it. I got to dump it. So there's a lot more motivation experience at a single family level. Um, a lot easier money place. So if you're ever raising capital, a lot easier to raise it on that because it's a, it's a much safer return. And if something ever goes wrong on the single family side, you can move in a lot of directions. You know, you get yourself a, a retail, you know, little retail strip center. It's going to be a retail strip center. It ain't going to be high rise tomorrow. 
on a single family side, there's a lot of things you could do. You know, you could hold on to it from a long-term perspective, from a cash flow perspective. If something goes wrong, you know, you could, uh, uh, you could repurpose it, you could rezone it. So it gives you a lot more options. So anyway, you slice it. Um, it's just, uh, in my, oh, and, and in terms of timing, you couldn't be in a better time market right now because of everything that's taking place around this than the single family. It's exploding. It's literally oh. what I call equilibrium stage right now, meaning huge, huge motivation by the sellers, many sellers to sell for obvious reasons, but at the same time, huge, huge demand by the buyers. It's almost free money. So people are able to get loans very cheaply right now. And also institutional investors, people with cash, there's tons of cash in the market right now. You got motivation here. You got demand here. Equilibrium. Incredible time to be in this space right now. Wow. Amazing. And so obviously, commercial real estate, probably not the best space to be in, but the residential, the single family home that you, that you focus on, just so many advantages. Sounds like lower risk. Sounds like, I mean, what's been the change between those two markets over the last year with COVID? On the, in the, on the single family side, it's just exploded. I mean, honestly, we are doing more deals. And obviously, my model is a partner model. Um, I partner with people across the United States. And we are literally doing, just to give you an idea, like we were just going over our numbers, from November of last year till the end of last year, which is like a two-month period, right? We fourfolded, fourfolded. Like what business fourfolds in a month? What, what business fourfolds during a pandemic? We fourfolded. From the beginning of this year till now, a couple months into the into the year, uh, we almost uh, uh, threefolded our business. So, meaning the growth has been astronomical, absolutely astronomical. And here's the crazy thing about it, Leo. Like this is really like when I say this a lot of times, people are like, "Well, that's impossible." No, because we're living and experiencing it. It's only getting better. Like literally, it's only getting better. Now, the obvious question is, well, how long will that be? I don't know. Nobody knows. But it's like going for a ride on a on a you know surfboard. While that wave's there, you better take advantage of it. And let me tell you something: the wave is there right now. Wow, unbelievable! The thing I love about uh, speaking with you, Peter, is you've been doing this for two decades. So, how did you pivot and get through the 0809 you know real estate market when there was a downturn? What were your keys to success with that? Yeah, zero keys. I crashed. <laughs> I crashed. Yeah. Pretty I crashed yeah. pretty big. You know, I always tell people I've ridden some high highs in this business, but I've also crashed along the way. Um, you know, my biggest thing is back then I didn't know how to respond to a market change. You know, back then it was obviously a huge market change. It was the biggest market change I'd experienced up at that point. And I just literally was not experienced enough to know what to do. And even some of the things that I did that were correct, I did them too late. And so I lost a ton. I lost a ton. But at the same time, I never stopped and never quit. I just lost it and just kept on revving it up, revving it up, revving it up. And, and you know, got back in my saddle very, very quickly and got out of the mess, which I, I created for myself because of the market conditions. So, um, yeah, well, I, I wish I could tell you, man, I'm the one guy that made it, but I'm not. I took no, some big, I, but, big losses. But that's what's so amazing. Like you went through it, but you rebounded and you, and you made it through the adversity and learned. So now how, have, how should someone who's a, who wants to get in real estate investing but knows, you know, we can't control the, the downturn that could come, you know, who knows if, if it ever does. It may not because of the lack of supply of properties right now. But if it does, like, what are, you, what are the things you should be doing to, you know, lower your risk? Well, way too many to go over. I mean, I mean, look, there's yeah. financial risk, there's infrastructure risk, there's credit risk. 
There is knowledge risk, not knowing the right thing. There's trust risk, you know, man, how, who can I trust? By the way, when I got started, I lost about $750,000. A hundred percent of my loss when I got started could be, was attributed to uh, trust risk. I trusted the wrong people. There's a lot of moving pieces in this business. Way yeah. too many to just like for a newbie to just say, okay, got it. And this is why I'm so proud of the model we have, you know, basically now. Peter, I, Peter tell us about this model. Like how, I think everyone listening is like, can I just work with Peter? How, how do I work with Peter and Peter's team? How, how can I just work with someone who knows what they're doing? Because you have the, the knowledge, the experience, the credibility. So how can someone work with you and partner driven? Okay. All right. Well, um, and that, well, by the way, that, that is exactly um, what I do. We not only help people uh, realize the upside of the business, we mitigate the downside. And real estate's got a big, big downside. By the way, it don't matter what kind of market you're in, good market or bad market. But 100% of my deals now are with partners. Literally, we help everyday people across the United States do real estate deals. And, and Lee, how we do this is we provide what are really the pillars of success to each one of our partners. The number one, knowledge. I mean, this is, and I'm sure you know, real, there's some businesses you can kind of figure out as you go, right? You can kind of tiptoe, you know, you can maybe do dry cleaning. Well, what's it worse? You ruin a couple of shirts and you pay for them. Real estate, you sneeze the wrong way, 10 grand out the door. So the first thing is the first pillar is we teach and coach all of my partners across the nation. We have literally daily coaching sessions with all of my partners. Second pillar is lead gen. Real estate, it, it's, it's, Again, it don't matter what market you're in. It don't matter where you're located. It is never, ever, ever easy to find good deals. And it's never even easy to find sources where to go to. So we literally generate motivated, motivated, right? Motivated seller. Don't get any better than that. We generated motivated seller leads for all of our partners right where they live. Next pillar is we provide technology in real estate in today's marketplace. If you do not have technology, you're dead in the water. You know, when I got started, you know, eons ago, I didn't even know what technology was. Then there came a point in real estate where technology gave you an advantage. Today, if you're not using technology, you're going to be left in the dust. So we provide, app, you know, I own an app called Deal Driven. It is the most premier uh, advanced tech, you know, technology-based app in the real estate space. We provide that to all of my partners. Uh, next thing we provide back office support. You know, nobody gets into real estate to process files, right? Like I never got in. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to process some files and chase some buyers and chase some sellers and coordinate bad titles. You need back office. So my back office becomes literally all of my partner's back office. The next pillar is huge. When we find the right deals with our partners, I provide 100% of the capital. That's right. My partners don't even put a penny in the deal. It's all on me. Okay. The other thing that I just mentioned, I mitigate all the risk. And guess what? Decades in the business, 